acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts if you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Can you imagine? He loves a Hot Pocket. You know what? The Hot Pockets are great. They're delicious and probably nutritious. You know, I eat them a lot. I had one this morning. Think about that. So he eats. Henry traditionally has never been a breakfast person, ever. Oh, never. I can have a Hot Pocket in the morning. It takes two minutes. If I want to make cereal, I have to get the box. I have to get the milk, a bowl. Yeah, but it's also, this is like terrible, like parenting. I get so... <laughs> no, Mom, let me, let me talk about my Hot Pocket addiction now, okay? Sorry, carry on, carry on. Mm. So it's two minutes to cook a Hot Pocket and you eat it, boom, I'm not hungry anymore and it's tasty. But I also offer to make you like delicious food. Like I'll make you pasta cacio pepe. I'll make that for you with some carrot batons and hummus. And you're like, whatever, I'm having a hot pocket. You see, would you want to go through all that effort? Or do you want me to put a hot pocket in the microwave? Sorry, we're off topic. We're off topic. I know, we're so off topic. Quick, I've come back to topic. Back. Hello, I'm Minnie Driver. Welcome to Mini Questions Season 2. I've always loved Proust's questionnaire. It was originally a 19th century parlor game where players would ask each other 35 questions aimed at revealing the other player's true nature. It's just the scientific method, really. In asking different people the same set of questions, you can make observations about which truths appear to be universal. 
I love this discipline. And it made me wonder, what if these questions were just the jumping off point? What greater depths would be revealed if I asked these questions as conversation starters with thought leaders and trailblazers across all these different disciplines? So I adapted Proust's questionnaire and I wrote my own seven questions that I personally think are pertinent to a person's story. They are, when and where were you happiest? What is the quality you like least about yourself? What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? What question would you most like answered? What person, place or experience has shaped you the most? What would be your last meal? And can you tell me something in your life that's grown out of a personal disaster? And I've gathered a group of really remarkable people, ones that I am honored and humbled to have had the chance to engage with. You may not hear their answers to all seven of these questions. We've whittled it down to which questions felt closest to their experience or the most surprising or created the most fertile ground to connect. Hi, I'm Henry Driver, sitting in today for my mom, Minnie, on this special episode of Mother's Day edition for Mini Questions. My guest today is perhaps, unsurprisingly, Minnie Driver. Hi, Mom. How's it going? It's going well. Good. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you, darling. You're in it. I'm in it. Wow. That's pretty cool. I'm in a book. You're hosting my podcast and you're in a book. I'm practically taking over your career, Mom. Blimey. Actually, I could use some youthful energy. Mm, I think we look close enough. We could probably switch out for some movies or something. I wonder if anyone would actually notice. You're almost as tall as me now. Like, if, If you just rocked up on set one day and were like, I mean, that would be very cool. I I think we sound similar as well, so it would just be a perfect match. Well, I like doing my impression of you, but I know you don't like it when I do it. Eh, would I like doing my impression of you, Miss Elizabeth? (laughs) Wait, wait, do do more. I love it when you do an English accent. I'm going to have a bath. Ew, cherries and tomatoes. Ew, darling, no. No, it's not tomatoes. It's tomatoes. Oh, sorry, tomatoes. Let me have a bath with some tomatoes on the sofa. (laughs) Okay, that's ridiculous. I'm really grateful that you're doing this, darling. It's this is our Mother's Day edition, and you know, Mother's Day, and my book was just published yesterday. Like it's quite auspicious, and which is what makes me grateful that you're doing this. So thank you. Thank you, Mum, for having me on in such a special time. <laughs> okay, over to you. Cool. Well, let's get into the questions. The first question, as you know, is when and where were you happiest? Right. Well, my happiest moments, they are always on the beach with everyone. And by that, I mean our family and friends and the surf involved and like a long day at the beach and then us staying and having a barbecue on the beach as, you know, it's dusk. And how mum would always have her cocktail shaker of vodka and tonics, like handy. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I loved, do you remember she used to have those, she had these amazing red frame glasses and she'd have her red lipstick and she'd be in some cool puffer jacket because it was England and it would be cold. And she'd be sitting in her chair I think I've got so many pictures of her just roaring with laughter whilst reading the newspaper while pouring herself a vodka and tonic, like in the middle of nowhere in Cornwall. Oh, those were good memories. Why do you think it's on the beach? You know, I was reading something the other day about how as you get older, you return to the memories that you had as a child. So basically, I think before everything, you know, 
sorry for the spoiler alert, but everything gets messed up as you get older. Mum, you're spoiling life for me. Come on, this is like... You know what I mean? It's like, I read this thing saying that you return to these places, you you recreate them in your adult life. The places that you feel happiest are the places that you were actually happiest when you were a child. And like pre-everything, pre-my parents' separation, pre-everything in our lives, me and my sister's life changing, I just remember the beach only good things happen at the beach. The ice cream van, learning to swim, full attention from my parents because otherwise, you know, you might run off and get lost or drown. So they had to pay attention to you. My sister burying me. You've seen those pictures, right? Of Kate used to bury me up to, with just my head showing. And then she would literally leave. <laughs> you know, would be in a hole, not able to get out. I mean, I think that also for me, that would be a perfect memory. I mean, sitting in a nice enclosed pit of sand by myself, tide coming in. (sighs) (laughs) Oh, the thrill. The thrill, yes. You do love it. You did make me do that the other day. Yeah, but like that was as a joke. I mean, I don't see the joke with Auntie Kate. I gave you boobs and a fishtail, I seem to remember, which is really infantile on my part. And I apologize, but it was funny. Yes, mum. I now have that video, so blackmail. (laughs) Are you aware, I know you're supposed to be asking me the questions, but like, are you aware of times that you're happy? Like, do you clock it when you're going, God, this is a really good time? Like, do you have an awareness of them happening? I think I have a vague awareness. I think you don't know it's better until the moment's over, which I think is why the beach is so good because, you know, in the moment you're sort of, you're splashing around, then you leave and it's sort of like you, you look back on that and you're like, wow, that was really good. And so I think I don't notice, but then when I've left, I notice. That's a really good point. In fact, that is so interesting because I was thinking that right before we did this, I was, as you know, I went out for a surf. That path from our house to the beach that I've walked a thousand, thousand times, I still have that feeling when I come around the corner and and I'm walking down the path towards the ocean and the sage, the smell of like hot, warm sage is blowing and it's sunny and it's beautiful and I can sort of hear tinkly voices from the beach. It's like it triggers all those other memories of the beach, like all those other memories of happiness are triggered every time I return to this beach. So, but it's almost like it's on a loop in some deep place in my heart. And maybe that's it, that we should keep triggering our happy place. We should keep finding ways of triggering our happy place, like whatever that is in our life. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, you know, on the beach, in the city, wherever it is, you're just trying to go back to there and have it happen again. Yeah. Or have a new experience in that place that you categorically know is a place that you have been happy. I don't know if that always works. I think, yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. Good. I'm glad I'm not sounding drunk. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) What quality do you like least about yourself? God, I mean, I know that you'll probably have an opinion about this, but the thing that drives me maddest about myself is so I'm explaining this to you even though you watch it happen (laughs) you know often when something difficult happens I don't let it just be about that difficult thing that's happening it's like that thing becomes a magnetic ball that attracts all of the other difficult things that are either going on currently or have gone on in the past or might happen in the future. And they all attach to this magnetic ball that was just one small problem. And suddenly it's this overwhelming ball of catastrophe. Mm. And it drives me insane. And I'm completely aware that I do it. And Addison is really good at stopping me now and going, hold on, hold on, hold on. This was about the waste disposal not working for the sixth day in a row, not about 
your current unemployment. <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I've seen it happen before when I'm sitting, you know, eating like some raisin bran in the kitchen. And I think something minor comes in and it, it, it becomes a bigger thing. I don't think it's your fault. I think it's just sort of a way that your brain is programmed, if you know what I mean. I don't think it's really changeable, but I don't think it's the worst thing. I still love you. I love it. Do you really think it's not programmable? Because like if you have awareness about something, do you not think that awareness is like the first step to changing it? Yeah. I mean, when I say programmed, I don't mean like you can never change it. I'm just saying that's sort of like born into you. Yeah. Sort of like how, you know, I used to have blonde hair. Now I don't have blonde hair. It, it can change. Can evolve. But it takes time. You have to put work into it. I didn't put work into my hair, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, bad analogy. But um, It's a great analogy, darling. I liked it. The thing is, I then use that against myself and it becomes part of my ball of catastrophe going, why are you not changing quick enough? Why are you aware of this thing? And why on earth you see how distressed you become and how distressing that is for the people around you? So why do you keep doing it? I don't quite understand what needs to happen in order to evolve. I would, I would like to, to have a drink like Alice in Wonderland to speed up the evolution of certain aspects of my psyche. <laughs> I, I get what you mean. I guess also just as part of being human, you know, we have issues that we bring and then we all deal with issues in different ways. You know, you bring other things in. Some people, they'll try to ignore it. It's, it's always different for people. But I think if you're really trying to change it, which I don't think you need to because, I mean, you're perfect in every way, Mom. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I think if you're really trying to change it, you know, you have to really believe that you can. Because if you're constantly, I know that everyone says this, but if you're constantly be, you know, being angry and you're attaching things and you're doing things you don't want, you have to really focus on what's happening and you have to try to move away from it. It's true. It's like you come back to the present moment and go, all of that other stuff isn't happening. It's just this one thing. I know that seems incredibly difficult at the time because, you know, you're thinking, oh no, the, the, the pie is burning. I'm unemployed. You know, there's a bunch of stuff happening. <laughs> I'm, not, no, I'm not saying that to be bad. That's literally how it goes. We both know that is exactly how it goes. The apple pie is burned and I can't get a job. <laughs> I don't mean it to be mean. I'm just repeating what you said before. I'm sorry. It's so not mean. It's so exactly true. I, I'm here for it. I think you're saying those things. And we really just have to do is think, okay, the apple pie is burned, but it's fine. We still have some lasagna. You know, I'm going to find a job. And you just have to think that it's not forever. And you can move away from that. And you can, you can get away from that place. And you can find positives. It's difficult because in the moment you feel like you're useless and it's all bad and nothing else is going to happen that's good. But over time, you have to know that it's all just, it's going to fit together like a little puzzle and just become good. It's absolutely true, darling. I think that is sage advice. It is really just taking a breath and going in this moment, just this thing is happening. And it's just like taking a running jump off a cliff. And I think we do that as people or I know I do it. And I really hope that this conversation is a sea change in the way in which I belly up to the more the trickier things in life sometimes. So, you know, thanks for the empathy, babes. Don't worry, Mom. I think it's part of being your son. Yeah, we have to be empathetic. What relationship, real or fictionalized, defines love for you? Well, if you weren't interviewing me, I would say you, like becoming a mother. And maybe it's pertinent because it's Mother's Day, but there are really two things. It's a two-prong. It really did. My ideas about love and what that was when you were born, it wasn't even like it was suddenly like this great aha moment. It is like this deep inner knowing that it is completely okay that everything you thought before about love was sort of pales in comparison from this actual definition of it. It is this all-encompassing, unconditional feeling of peace and that everything is right. 
And that's the only way that I can describe it. And the tangent of that is like the love that I have for Addison, which is that feeling of things just being right. And then the other, I guess this is three-pronged, not two-prongs, you know, it's more of a fork, is with surfing. How I feel about surfing and when I'm surfing, it dovetails into how I felt when you were born and how it was to fall in love with Addison, which is, again, this feeling of it's dynamic. It requires you being completely present. There is huge respect in it and strength. You can never underestimate it. And in a way, if you humble yourself to it, you will reap the rewards, but it requires a lack of ego and insistence on things being done your way. There's something about surrender in love. And like having a baby is the ultimate surrender. Like your body, like when you first start having contractions, you know, which are the pains that you have to have a baby. You're just like, no, 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 no. This can't happen. This can't happen. I can't do this. I can't do this. You have no choice. You just have to keep going and surrender to it in the same way that I ultimately surrendered to Addison's kindness. Like I'd never really been with someone who kindness was their fundament and respect was their fundament. So those three things for me, you, Addie, and surfing, are my pyramid of love. A triangle is the strongest shape. Is that right? Yeah, I just want to put that up. I know, because you're in school paying attention to geometry. Of course, paying attention, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, back on topic off of school, I think that's a really interesting definition of love because I know there's a lot of people that say love is just about being with people and it's connecting, but not connecting on a deeper level. I think what you're really saying is you're not just there with them and you're not being with them. You're not, you know, like helping them with the groceries, but you're you're with their personality or like you're really there with them instead of, you know, just being there to cook them food. You're sort of, you're there for the love and you're there for the surrenders. You're there for the good times, the bad times, not just the times where you want to be there. That's so funny because I, what I hear in that is it speaks to the duality of being a human being. You have this physical experience, which is doing the groceries, taking care of the thing, the this, the that, all of which are expressions of love. A hundred percent. Like when you make me breakfast in bed, when you make my coffee and eggs and toast, that is an expression of love. And then there's the other, the spiritual side of being a human being, which is slightly more difficult to articulate, but just that deep feeling of peace and safety with someone. Like, strangely, that's how I felt like during COVID when it was just you, me and ads together in this really scary time, seeing really scary things happen and terrible things happening to so many people. But that feeling of us together was the safe unit. But it's funny, isn't it? There's like, there's the human, the physical experience. And then there's this like more, I guess spiritual is the only way, etheric experience that maybe runs parallel with it. Yeah, so it's a two-pronged form. So it is a two-pronged. I'd say I'd say the third prong, is, it's there. It's just maybe on the other side, you know, so it's like stabby instead of pokey. <laughs> instead of pokey. It's stabby instead of pokey. So it's a double-sided, two-pronged and one-pronged fork. My definition of love is three-pronged, but you're saying like existential love is two-pronged, human and spiritual. Yeah. Great. I think you should write a book, babes. Wow. The two-pronged fork of love. Yeah. I'd buy that book. I'd buy that. I think we should illustrate that cover later. The two-pronged fork of love. Following up with your your whole, what you've been saying, do you think you would have like answered this question differently 20 years ago? Like, you know, before you had me, before you've gone through all the stuff, etc.? Yes. Christ. Yes. I would have, I would have, I would have thought that this idea of romantic love, this idea of a family unit looking the way that I thought it was supposed to, even though I don't even come from that, which is, you know, two parents who are married who then have children. Like my parents weren't married. They had kids. They had kids with other people. I had you without having a partner who was sort of 
you know, doing the shared duties with. Like 20 years ago, I would have said that it was some romantic, ridiculous idea that had been pushed on me by how I'd processed society, which was looking around going, oh, if somebody chooses you and marries you, that means that you are loved, as opposed to being in life, discovering that love for yourself and seeing what kinds of expressions of that love show up, i.e. a beautiful baby that comes miraculously out of a connection with a person you know, there's, there's more magic now. Wow, that's really beautiful how perspectives can change in the, you know, 20 years. Do you ever do that? Do you ever write down your thoughts now? Like a time capsule thinking, oh, I'm going to look back and just going to see. I'm going to leave a breadcrumb trail for myself and then I'll come back to this in 20 years and see what I think about it. I think I've done that before. I think I've done it for school. Yeah, it sounds a bit schooly, doesn't it? Sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to like, you know, down on your cool style, but <laughs> it does feel does feel sort of like, you know, write it down, think about it later. But I think your explanation of, you know, 20 years ago, how love sort of felt like something that you pushed instead of something that you felt. Mm. That's really beautiful. That feels, you know, it's like a little garden of love sprouting up and changing and evolving. Oh, you know what? Also, like, that is actually a really clear indication that evolution is possible in my bumbling old brain. But actually, so maybe going back to that question before of like, will this, the stuff I don't like about myself, will that evolve? It's like, well, your idea about love evolved and... Why can't that happen to other things? That's true. So then maybe, maybe it'll be when I'm 80, I won't have a, a ball of catastrophe. Two-pronged fork has turned into a spork. It's turned into a spork. We're going to have like a whole tableware philosophy by the end of this. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't 
feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, chief marketing and growth officer at AT AT&T who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What person, place, or experience most altered your life? Well, you did. Really, it's you. But, like, it's going to become repetitive if I just keep saying that you, but you must know that, and people will know that, that you are the person who changed my whole life. But when I was much younger, a person who really did have this huge impact was this girl who is one of the stories in my book. You're writing a book, Mom? Did I tell you I have a book coming out? It's out right now. It's called Managing Expectations. Well, Mom. So in this book, there's a story about how when I left college, when I left drama school, you know, absolutely intent on becoming an actor, I was the only kid in my class to graduate without getting representation. You know, an agent or a manager. Nobody was interested. All my friends got them. I didn't. And I was absolutely stuck. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Like My whole life, since I was five or six years old, had just been gunning for this notion of becoming an actor. And I'd also been told that the only way that you could get work as an actor is if you had representation. So there I was, 19, absolutely stuffed. And mum was so hilarious. She was like, right, well, I suppose you better just get a job as a waitress. She had no sympathy at all. She was just like, go and find a way to pay your rent. We need money now, please. Get on with it. Yeah, exactly. Get on with it. So I was like, okay. And I had to work. I didn't have any money. So I was singing in jazz clubs. I was like doing whatever I could. I hated waitressing. So I was a terrible waiter. Like I was always questioning people's wine choices. You know, like my dad sadly had taught me about wine and I would mutter under my breath, oh God, don't order the Pinot Grigio with a beef across. <gasps> that is just what I was thinking. Oh my God. I was really just thinking. I, could, I, I pictured you saying, dude, don't order the Pinot Grigio. Terrible. So I'd get fired often. So then I just started singing in jazz clubs and dinner jazz and no one was listening. And through the summer, it was this explosion of this music called Acid House. And 
I would go to these parties, these raves out in the middle of the countryside in like warehouses and barns and wherever, these huge parties. And it was amazing. And you just dance all night till it got light and then a bit further and then you go home. And during that time, because I wasn't really a, as you know, I just, I don't drink a lot and I didn't really do all the drugs that the kids were doing at that time. So I was pretty sober and I would be driving home. And there was this one girl who I'd always seemed to be you know, I connect with her because she was also sober. And we'd like have these great conversations. And like we partied all through the summer and had this great time. And she was just really cool. But we never really hung out in between. We just see each other at these parties. And towards the end of the summer, I was just dreading September. Reality was bench pressing in the parking lot, waiting for August the 31st to switch over to September 1st. And then I was just going to get my ass kicked. And we must have been driving home early one morning. And she was like, you know, what do you do? And I was like, oh, go well, you know, I'm supposed to be an actress. And she was like, what do you mean supposed to be? I was like, well, I left school. I don't have any work. I'm singing. I'm trying to do that. I don't know what I'm doing. And she was like, oh, I work for a casting director. And I was like, do you? And she was like, yeah, you should come and meet her. And that was like on the Saturday night, Sunday morning. And on the Monday, I went and met this casting director who was one of the nicest people and one of the biggest casting directors in the UK and in the world. And I don't know, I don't know what she saw in me. I had nothing to recommend me except a smart mouth and making some jokes. And she called up an agent who had seen me in a play at drama school and had been like, she's rubbish. And she just convinced her to give me a trial, just to give me a try. Just try me out for a few weeks and see if I could do something. That girl that I used to go raving with, she really did change my life. Wow. I feel like I've heard some of it before. I think that's really cool how life just kind of, life finds a way. It does, actually. For the next question, what question would you most like answered? I know this is the difficult one for you. You told me it's going to be a bit hard. I literally, I ran into Henry's bedroom like before we were like setting up for this. And I was like, babe, I don't know what to say to this question. Like, I don't know what, like I've been asking it and I, I ask it because I don't really know. What should I say? And Henry just sat there watching me eat turkey and lettuce going, I don't, I don't know. I, th- I said, how long does a battery last? Because <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Or, I mean, I do want to know why does my electric car tell me that I have 260 miles and then I drive 16 miles and it says that I've used up 50. It's such a lie. Like that, that bugs the crap out of me. But I know what that's just to do with commerce and like, you know, metrics and the way stuff looks. The question I would most like answered is I want to know how to stop this savagery that, that man shows to people. And I say man because it is always men (laughs) starting wars and creating this profound unrest. I I want to know, rather than like, will it ever end? I want to know how to stop it, like as a society, like how we could globally unite to stop this, that there would be like, what's the protocol when you start to see the troops amassing on a border? What do you do? How do we all come together really quickly to stop that from happening? I would like to know that. Hmm. That's definitely, that's sort of expanding on the end world hunger kind of thing. Do you mean like solving like these huge issues that we have as people? Yeah, like these massive issues. But I think that's sort of like, that's like taking it a step further with wanting to know how. But I think, yeah, you're definitely right. If there's a tier list of questions that need to be answered, it's pretty high up there. Well, it's kind of like a here question, right? It's the same thing about saying that we're human or spiritual, because obviously I want to know, am I going to see mum again? 
Am I going to see her again? If someone could just tell me that, I wouldn't worry so much. I wish I could know that. But that's also this sort of spiritual question. Then there are these human questions about being here and now. Like, could we actually affect change here? If we knew the answer to some of these huge questions, could we make this experience less awful for so many people? I think, well, because, yeah, you sort of shown the two roads, the sort of question for yourself and the question for humanity. Yeah. Like I'm referencing what's happening in the Ukraine right now. And it feels it's like a dead end because we don't know how to or what's going to happen. I mean, I think that's one of the issues with one of the, some of the big questions you ask them. And there's no real answer. It's sort of it leads to a dead end. But I think exploring that, I think that's really that's important. Sort of like, you know, knowing what life means, knowing how to make peace. I think when it means dead end, I think that sort of means very important and too important to have a short answer. Mm. It would take textbooks upon textbooks to solve, you know, peace, world hunger, because there's just there's so many different sides to it. It's it's really difficult to sort of create one single piece of perfectness. But let me ask you this. Why do you think Addison would say it's because of tribalism, but we are human beings before we are our tribes? Why as human beings can we not unite around that humanity? Why is it always about the tribalism and the kind of furthering? What Putin is doing is like the furthering of Putin's agenda. Like he's also a person. Like how how does that get? This is so terrible. You poor thing. I'm so sorry that I'm pushing this on you. Oh, no, 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 it's completely fine. I've thought about this, like, you know. But I wonder why the humanity doesn't come first. Like, why isn't there some a chip in our brain, a part of our brain that kicks in when we start acting only in our own self-interest? How come there isn't this thing that completely reminds us that we are part of something so much bigger and we're people? We're not just a person. I so badly, I don't want to say tribalism, but I think since we are descendants of the ape, I feel like apes, they're very tribalistic. They like territory. They're, I mean, as as much I know of apes, I think since our brains have evolved from them and we've evolved from, you no know, wanting to be together with our tribe and wanting to keep out the others, I think there's just that small bit from being apes. I think that's left in our brain of just that we don't want our tribe to be taken away from us. It all leads back to, I don't know what the word, I, I'm going to say apism because that <laughs> sounds correct. So it all leads back to apism, the evolution. I think they call it the reptilian brain. I prefer apism. I prefer apism too. I'm going to go with apism now. The monkey brain, the monkey mind. Yeah, it's the monkey mind. If we evolved from, you know, like if we evolved from something that, that didn't really care, if we evolved from like turtles, I, I'm going to make some turtle specialists very mad now, but I'm just assuming the turtles, they don't really care about territorial tribes. If we evolved from them, well, we'd have shells, but we'd also sort of, we wouldn't <laughs> care as much. But darling one, you know what? You being able to see that and you being 13, it gives me hope that that question I want answered is that it's possible. It might get answered and that a global response to territorial terrorism might be found with your generation. Yeah, I don't think you need to bust in my room with your turkey and salad. You, you, you had that figured out. Thank you, darling. We just needed to talk to you about it, and I figured out what my question was. Don't worry about my I'm, I'm very easy to talk to. I've been told. You really are. I think I told you. I made you. <laughs> yes, good for you, mom. You know, thank you for the reminder. I'm not taking credit for you completely. You are, you are, you truly. Another book idea. You are letter R U exclamation point. Yeah, we need like really cool colors, a nice like grayscale photo of someone looking off in the distance. <laughs> we have this book. Mom. By the way, that is what I didn't want for my memoir. The whole idea of like a black and white grayscale picture of me sort of like, you know, hand under your chin, kind of staring off out of the ocean. Yeah, just like just like looking off like this. Yeah, just looking like pensive.
am comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School Podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What would be your last meal? Well, it's about that it would be with people. So it would be with you, Ads, Auntie Katie, Percy, Jess, Lily, Mum, Dad, my stepmother, my two brothers and their families. And it would be us on a beach, but with it would be catered by this restaurant on the Amalfi Coast called Los Golio, which is the best food I've ever eaten, the most transporting food I've ever eaten in my life. And there would be a way of making sure everything was like hot and the perfect temperature and perfectly served, but we would all be on the beach together. And then at the end of eating, I know it sounds nuts, but there's this courgette zucchini in American pasta that is it, unlike anything I've ever eaten in my life. And these fresh anchovies, which are not like the anchovies that you think of in a can. They are white. They have just come out of the ocean with the warm tomatoes that come from the garden in the back of the restaurant. So these warm vine ripened by the sun tomatoes with these fresh white anchovies that have been grilled to perfection with olive oil and lemon on them. And they're presented on a plate in like a star. You lose your your mind. You lose your mind, which if it's my last meal, I don't care about my mind anymore. I just want to be eating that food with all of you. And then at the end of that, right when we've just finished everything delicious, I want to hear the tinkling of an ice cream van. So I get that feeling that you get when you hear the tinkling of the ice cream van. Brings you back to your childhood. Yeah. And immediately you get that butterflies in your stomach. It still happens to me when I hear an ice cream van now. And then I want us all to race up the beach and go and get a Mr. Whippy with two flakes in it. Two flakes, not three, not one. Two. Nope, two. For American listeners, a Mr. Whippy is a soft serve ice cream that comes out in a coil into a cone. And a flake is this chocolate bar that you get in England that's arguably the most delicious chocolate bar, to me it is. And that's stuck in the top of the ice cream. Crumbly. It's really nice. Oh my God. That is my perfect last meal. It's perfect. And then I want to take off into whatever's next, like as if I had like power jets in my feet. So I would literally just wave goodbye to everybody and then just shoot straight out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fireworks. Fireworks. With your ice cream. And like like a really good firework display and like really good music. And that would be as I ascended because there would be some kind of ascent. In your power rocket boots with your two flake, not one, not three, Mr. Whippy, from an ice cream bin after you've eaten this delicious zucchini. And then there would be a giant rainbow over the beach and glitter. That's really great. That is it. Min out. Such a great answer. I think incorporating people that you love and stuff, that's really interesting. And then Auntie Katie would be like, okay, let's pack up the leftovers. Don't waste anything. Pack up quickly. We need to go. Don't waste it. We have to go. Quickly, it's getting dark. We want to leave now. It's getting dark. Uh, if the meal has all your friends and family and everyone, uh, what would you want to talk about? <sighs> love. I just love stories. I love it when people tell stories. But my dad used to tell the best stories. Mom used to tell the best stories. I just, and I loved hearing the same stories. Like mom and dad used to tell the story and they would tell it about each other when the other one wasn't present and they'd tell it when they were together. It used to crack me up that they both would tell the story, which was when mom and dad went to Morocco and they went on this amazing, crazy adventure and they were in this place and they were serving lamb. And my dad goes, the lamb was green. And mom goes, the lamb had a green sauce. And my dad would be like, the lamb was green because it was bad. And my mom was like, the lamb had a green sauce because everyone knows that you eat mint sauce with lamb and that mint is very, very common in Morocco. So dad says, I told her not to eat it. And mom's like, he told me not to eat it. And I said, you're being ridiculous. 
And dad said she wouldn't listen. And then mum eats the lamb and obviously nearly dies of food poisoning. And my dad manages to be both completely empathetic and take care of her whilst also massively doing the I told you so dance as she's throwing up and almost dying from food poisoning. So that's what I would like everyone to be talking about is like telling the funniest stories and laughing really hard. Just like when we all start laughing in Cornwall. Yeah. That's my favourite thing. In your life, can you tell me something that has grown out of a personal disaster? Oh, yes. Looking back, I know that every time I thought the world was ending, <laughs> when, you know, a relationship didn't work out, when I was suddenly broke and didn't know where the next job was coming from, when I look and I see invariably things grew out of all of those things. Mm. I have so many disasters because I think people do. But invariably, every choice that you're forced to make when something doesn't work out leads you to what your life is and how can you not celebrate that? It's a heavy one, but it's true. I got it. When mum died, I was like, it is not possible to recover from this. So I kept thinking, well, this is terrible. Nothing good can grow out of this. And it's true for a long time, nothing did. And then... So strangely, like the little shoots you see on a tree that looks dead in winter. You know, the trees near our house in London that just look like there is no way they are coming back. And then one day in March, you see a little tiny green shoot coming out of a branch. And I had that this year because I was still feeling so much grief. And when I saw that little green shoot on the magnolia trees, I felt this thing inside. I felt this recognition that it was growing anew. And then it reminded me of mum because she loved the spring. She died in the spring. She loved the spring. She loved the notion of renewal. She loved being able to say, it is shit right now, excuse my French, and it is going to get better. She loved that. So there was something in March of this year when I saw those shoots growing out of the trees I knew it was going to be okay. And that didn't mean that I wasn't going to have days where I would miss her so much. But it reminded me that it is true that all things evolve, even grief, even loss. And sometimes they can evolve in the absence of the thing that you think has to happen to make you feel better. And in that case, it was, she has to be alive again in order for me to feel better. And the problem or the thing is, is that she isn't going to be alive again. And she would be the first person to scoff with laughter at me thinking that could ever happen. But she's definitely what gave me the ability to like notice the green shoots on the magnolia tree and actually connect that to the evolution of grief. It was a bit heavy, darling. Sorry about that. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, I lived through it as well. I got the same memories. So I think, yeah, wrapping it all around to the evolution thing where we all evolve, like it just full circled right on into the evolution again. It all can evolve. You know, dead trees, they grow sprouts. That's, that, that might be the best analogy I've ever heard. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, like, you know, the power of evolution. Or renewal. Renewal. Renewal, yeah. You know, of like how things re, they re-up, they recycle, they regrow, which is, again, what makes me feel that the notion of death being an end seems really improbable, given that this whole universe seems to be about the continuation and the renewal of energy. And that's pretty much what we are. It's been a lovely conversation. I'm sad that I've run out of questions. Darling one, you're properly empathetic, Hen. And like I said, I have great hope for the future because, because of you. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome, my darling. Happy Mother's Day to both of us. I mean, I'm not really a mother, but thank you. You made me a mother, so I suppose I should sort of thank you. We're in it together, like 
fast and furious, you know, like that kind of thing. Family. 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 That's a perfect way to end this. Evolution and Vin Diesel. You're amazing. Thank you. Love you so much, Mom. Love you. Love you. Happy Mother's Day. My mom, Minnie, has a book out right now that you should definitely buy. It's called Managing Expectations, and it's kind of a memoir-ish. It's stories from her life about how life not working out is really life working out. You can see her in the movies Chevalier and Rosalind later this year, and thank you for listening to her podcast. She really loves doing it. Mini Questions is hosted and written by me, Mini Driver. Supervising producer, Aaron Kaufman. Producer, Morgan Lavoie. Research assistant, Marissa Brown. Original music, Sorry Baby, by Mini Driver. Additional music by Aaron Kaufman. Executive produced by me, Mini Driver. Special thanks to Jim Nicolay, Will Pearson, Addison O'Day, Lisa Castella and Anique Oppenheim at WKPR, Dela Pescador, Kate Driver and Jason Weinberg, and for constantly solicited tech support, Henry Driver. Notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.